Hello and welcome to Football Follies. We're going to crown a football champion and we have the NFL and college football follies. Hi, I'm Phil along with Ari and Andrew. Welcome to Double AI, the podcast on the business of analytics and pro sports. Hey, Andrew, how you doing? I'm pretty well. How are you, Phil? I am doing fine. And Andrew, look at Ari with the Indy 500 revved up and roaring over his shoulder. Hey, Ari, how are you? Hey, everyone. How are you? Well, guys, off the bat, we've got to crown a champion here. We actually have a football champion. Andrew, we know that's leading to you. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, after many, many months, the Champions League completed successfully with somewhat of an unexpected champion. We knew it was going to be unexpected. No one expected Bjorn Munich at PSG. Very few people expected them to be in the finals. But Bjorn Munich won. Um, Great story for Germany, great story for all the hard work that happened in Germany to allow them to be the first league to restart in European football, uh, and great top to a rather strange season for uh, Bjorn. But yes, we've made it through, and we're basically ready to start again. Wonderful. And, and then we, we just can't let go too much time with Ari. Ari, go ahead and crown our new winner of the Borg Warner Trophy in Speedway, Indiana, since you have them right over yeah. your shoulder. Takuma Sato um, was the winner. Uh, great to see it. Um, you know, it was the smallest race purse or, or winning for almost 30 years, I believe, due to the pandemic and lack of fans. But it was uh, about 1.3, 1.4 million uh, plus uh, car. Um, I would take that myself, but... Um, he gets all the fame and fortune um, and glory for, for his life. Well, and, I, and, we, and we tip our cap again to the uh, Penske Corporation. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway grounds look immaculate. I grew up there. I've been to that place a lot, and it never looked more spectacular. Um, so well done all the way around. Now, guys, that's the most simply said thing we may say all day on this podcast. <laughs> we crown a champ. We hand out a trophy. Because if we take a look at the NFL, right away, we have to say this, 77 false positives, including one of the coaches who believed he had it for about four hours before, imagine the panic, because he's got a family, they just moved. There's a lot of chaos right now in the NFL with the season about to kick off. Uh, how do we square this up, guys? 77 positives. Some of the teams really are still trying to sort out whether they're going to have fans or not. This is not the way you want to kick off an NFL season, is it, Andrew? This is horrifying, right? And, and Stefanski has pre-existing conditions that place him at risk as well. Um, I can't imagine what he was going through and what his family was going through. Um, I, I look at this and I just have no idea how the NFL is going to make it through. Okay, so there's a problem with the lab and the test that was being done at that lab. Um, but they were staking their entire policies on successfully being able to execute these tests. Uh, there has to be massive scrambles within the NFL right now because until they get this understood and know that they have a test that works, I don't know how they even kick off the season. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk about, we asked about the Major League Baseball season and whether or not would complete. And I need to give Phil full credit. I think he's right. They're going to uh, 
at the very least limp through the season. That's what you called, Phil. I and Ari, I think, were much more pessimistic. Um, It looks like, fingers crossed, we're going to see it. I have even less confidence the NFL can make it through an entire season, um, especially with this sort of thing going on. Um, To be perfectly honest, when the first results came out and there was this massive number of positive tests around the league, my first thought wasn't any doubt, right? My first thought was, yeah, that seems reasonable. And we don't even know if it's true. We don't know how many people are actually sick right now. Um, But the fact that I wasn't surprised gives me a feeling that we're going to see outbreaks in football. Yeah, so what we're talking about now might be the most simple thing about the NFL season because the deeper you go into it, the more convoluted. All right, we're still trying to sort out. So the Chiefs, Cowboys, Colts, Jags, and maybe the Dolphins will have friends and maybe have home field advantage. That's so unusual. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it's kind of interesting. And just watching other sports play where, you know, Toronto is in Buffalo. It's not your traditional home stadium. You have to be in a hotel. Some have may have fans, some don't. Um, you, you almost have to just throw it out the window. Um, uh, you know, the Marlins having a lot of games off, the Cardinals having a lot of games off, may see that in football as well. So it's just one of those years where there may be imbalance, um, what otherwise would be fairness, and just have to uh, play through it. Well, Andrew, Ari just hit the nail on the head. Think of it this way. The St. Louis Cardinals in baseball just played some games without uh, Yachty, uh, can you imagine the Chiefs playing without Mahomes or just name, you know, the other upper echelon quarterbacks or that, that game-breaking receiver or that rush end and all of a sudden you're playing without them? That doesn't just distort a batting line. That destroys any normalcy in a, any one weekend of an NFL season. Well, I, I mean, absolutely. This this is part of the problem when we look at the Major League Baseball season is that, you know, I don't even know what this stuff means, right? You see um, the kind of schedule the Mets are facing or the Cardinals are facing with multiple double headers, um, just constant days, no days off. Um, even with the players healthy and on the field, uh, it becomes really hard to forecast especially when you get double headers and you're bringing pitchers up for this, that one game, it, it, it's challenging. Um, but over the course of 60 games, you hope something evens out. The NFL is all about one game. And yeah, you're, you're right. If, if Pat Mahomes goes out for, you know, the first couple of weeks and all of a sudden the chiefs start in a hole, what happens to them? And then even worse, I think, from an NFL perspective, is what happens if he goes out in that first round of the playoffs and isn't able to perform? Um, What does that even mean about um, the eventual champion of the the Super Bowl? Um, This is is a weird time. I see lots of people doing forecasts for lots of different sports, and there's so much uncertainty right now. yeah, it's a, it's a really tough time to be sports betting. Uh, well said. Now, guys, think of this. We're, we're fans and we're, we work in the industry. 
the link of fantasy and sports betting right now with pure competition is it's the same. So let's look at la- And here's what I mean by that. Last year, if you look at the NFL season, I really enjoyed two storylines. The Chiefs' excellence, of course. Andy Reid, Mahomes on the field, excellence. The Buffalo Bills, in terms of pure competition, were just a thrill to watch compete. That was a phenomenal, good story to watch. But if we look at where things stand today with pro football, college football, and all of the uncertainty, now, and then we mix in sports betting. Think of this. ESPN and Caesars just announced a new studio, not just a new show, a new mm-hmm. studio in Las Vegas this week, ESPN expanding sports betting content. Their show, their, uh, their show that they hang their hat on is the Daily Wager. It'll be at a new studio beginning week number one of the NFL. And then they're doing more spe- sports betting themed uh, product both uh, online and over the air or over cable no way in the middle of that that there's anything of what you just said and and there's no way we we don't know who the week number one starting quarterbacks are going to be right I mean think of this Ari could you today say I know who's going to be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick we we, we don't know right but yeah you you don't know. It's a couple of weeks away. It, it's too many variables. Right. So we think normal Cam Newton's going to No, We don't know if Cam Newton or, and Andrew, that's, that's really to your point. Uh, and you can go th- do the same thing with college football. I mean, was it North Carolina state ACC's trying to hang in there. North Carolina state shuts down all fall sports. They have not one or two, but three virus clusters on campus, including the football team. And then you've got uh, programs like uh, Louisville uh, and, and a couple of the others, I think Ole Miss, uh, trying to predict or say we want to have fans. I think the University of Miami is trying to say we want to have fans, but only about 20%. Andrew, can you set a line on that? Can you adjust it every day? Can you ca- calculate all of what that mayhem means to sports betting and football as we enter the season? I, I mean, can you set a line? Absolutely, right? And I can be tracking what the, what the fans are saying. Um, and I, I mean, for a lot of fans, I think you can continue to bet and try to do well. I think a lot of fans bet on their team, their favorite player, um, in part because it gives them a little more enthusiasm. I think this is much harder for the professionals, right? The ones who are looking for an edge, Uh, the ones who are building really complicated models behind the scenes, trying to take into account everything, including the weather forecast, right? Um, I think it's much harder for them to place their bets at the beginning of the week when it's so much more uncertain, right? There's always risk. The NFL always has had injury risk. You'll have players unable to compete on Sunday because they got hurt during the week. Um, I just think you can see more of that. Um, I'd I'd like to go back a little bit because you talk about the Daily Wager and the ESPN studio, and we do have to acknowledge that one of the reasons the NFL is the most popular sport in America today is not just sports betting, but fantasy betting. And one of the things I've seen really interesting is people are beginning to talk about their fantasy football leagues. And I've seen a number of people who have been running leagues for 30 years. And they're saying they're refusing to run the league this year because of the uncertainty in exactly this. 
And what their concern is, they believe if they were to run the league, they'd destroy friendships over the fights about what do you do when my star quarterback isn't available this week? Or I picked uh, the Patriots defense as my defense, and it turns out that their middle linebacker and captain is unable to go. Or five players on the defense are unable to go. Um, and I, I think this is a real risk for the people who are doing this in what is supposed to be friendly competition that you almost need the NBA's plan of how do we mitigate against a COVID outbreak just to manage a fantasy sports league right now. You know, guys, we knew about a month, month and a half ago that we'd get into some, something like this at some point, right? Where all these storylines, the, the news of the virus, the, the pure competition, playoffs, meaningful game, sports betting, fantasy would all merge or morph at one time. We just didn't know it was going to happen this week in the manner in which it has. Uh, good point, Andrew. That's great stuff. And, and in fact, it, it's not just here in the States either. We, we open by talking about uh, soccer in Europe and before we get into halfway through the Major League Baseball season, we have to talk about the KBO. Uh, this could be one of the worst weeks for the virus in Korea and critical for the KBO. There were, I, I think, what was it, over 300 uh, new cases, and the most were in Seoul, which is where most of the KBO teams. So let's call that uh, an exaggerated view of what could still happen to Major League Baseball. And Ari, that is a tough, and in fact, that's an ominous way of saying we are halfway through the Major League Baseball season. And so Ari, you get the first word. We're halfway through. What's your dominant thought right now, halfway through the MLB season? Yeah, well, a couple of thoughts. Well, with MLB, it looks like things are still going strong. There have been, you know, the Cardinals, Marlins shut down for extended periods and they just cancel or push games off into the future and we'll figure it out. So they're kind of plowing through, um, you know, there's been, uh, you know, a rash of pitching injuries probably due to, you know, the shortened or lack of, you know, traditional spring training to get players ready. Um, but, you know, th those are some of the dominant thoughts. Well, we may want to talk about Anaheim in a bit, but, you know, the low of them compared to the high of the Dodgers, is remarkable. And then looking at the KBO, um, my thought on that is 324 new cases. And I look out my window, I'm in Lincoln Park, Chicago. We, I don't know the numbers, but we have more than 324 cases, probably within a square mile of my home. Um, and they, they play kickball without masks um, for like two hour games, um, all close, to by, close by to each other. So my thought is uh, uh, kudos to Korea for, for taking things seriously. Um, well, guys, uh, halfway through the Los Angeles Dodgers look like it's going to be the Dodgers against everybody else in the World Series. They're, they're strong and deep, and they finally got out of Walker Bueller uh, an outing. And we've been tracking him because we believe him to be not only their best pitcher, but a, a real linchpin for the season. He struck out 11 in six innings. Fellas, I watched him, and I was thinking, I'm seeing greatness. Andrew, the Dodgers really look strong, and uh, acquiring Mookie Betts from the Red Sox looks like a stroke of genius and certainly worth every penny. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it was one of the best teams over the last couple of years and they just got stronger in what they did. Um, it's an astonishing team right now. Absolutely. Well, and, and so we're talking about pitching and we'll, we'll bounce back and forth. If we talk hitting, all right, we've got to go to the guys in your backyard, the South side hit men or back. It's amazing what Abreu has led and what the team has done and, and what Abreu is doing right now. The White Sox are legit. They're in this thing. Yeah, they, it's great to see their, uh, also that their record follows suit. They have, you know, some veterans. They have, you know, some youth, Moncada, uh, you know, Anderson, um, uh, Koichel. Just, uh, they've done a lot of good things, and it's, it's good to see, uh, you know, Abreu have that breakout, but a lot of people surrounding, um, you know, they, they haven't had the easiest schedule either. But, you know, it's great that there's a good chance we'll have two playoff teams in Chicago. Yeah, and I, I'm fascinated by Abreu. Seven home runs in seven games. Uh, the club, 27 home runs in a week's worth of games. That is really uh, rolling the pole. And, and those are good stories. So here's the, Do the, the Dodgers, the favorite. The White Sox are emerging as one of those young teams that's a surprise. Uh, on a personal level, perhaps the biggest surprise surprising individual player this entire season is a guy who plays right field for the San Francisco Giants and Ari you know him well from when he first entered the league so take it away partner uh Yastrzemski not not the grandfather but his uh grandkid um uh you know we drafted him with the Baltimore Orioles and saw some things in him you know, it's great to have the same name as somebody, but we saw that, you know, this person could develop into an everyday major league player. And he certainly has, uh, you know, mind you, shortened season already, 20 runs scored, 20 RBIs, 20 walks, 20 extra base hits, um, you know, leading the majors uh, in, in offensive war, which to me is more important than uh, ribbies. And, um, you know, the only player just behind Fernando Tatis Jr. with 28 runs scored and leads the National League with 23 walks. So put it that way, he walks a lot. He gets a lot of extra base hits. He um, scores, which is a credit to his teammates. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed seeing that. And just to do a shout out more for the uh, Orioles and the selections, Dan Duquette, myself, many others, did uh, I saw this interesting stat? We were talking about the Dodgers. If you look at Betts, Bellinger, Turner, and Seeger, they actually have fewer uh, lower batting average home runs and ribbies than the Orioles Santander, Severino, Alberto, and Nunez. So you don't have to be on a big league team or have all the you know media following you to be just as effective. So I'm proud of some of those lesser known people that are going to grow into, uh, you know, players that a lot of people hear. A lot of them may be traded from the Orioles or a lot of them may have success with the Orioles, but you'll be hearing those names um, in years to come. And Stremski well, is a great one as well. Well, and amazing for the Giants and for the O's. A week ago, guys, I, I, I mean, with the Giants, I, I thought they were down for the count a week ago. But a week later, here at the halfway point, and things get very seriously, very quickly in big league baseball, the, the Giants appear to be 
at least on the fringe, if not in the hunt the rest of the way. We'll see because each week has brought uh, surprises and the pressure's on big leaguers. I love this time when we get close to watch big leaguers play and, it, and it's been fun to see them perform. Now, a couple of trends here. Uh, Andrew, analytics trend. Catchers are being paired with the same home plate umpire more than ever in the recent history of Major League Baseball. That sounds unusual, but there's an explanation for that, right? Well, absolutely. I think this all comes down to the analytics. We've been constantly looking as a community for better ways to understand how catchers impact the game um, and how they uh, are able to influence the game and how we can make them more effective, right? And we talk about this with the rise of pitch framing, but it just makes sense that everything a catcher does is influenced or is influencing the home plate umpire behind them from how they frame a pitch and how that interacts with an umpire to even how they call a game and how the pitch sequence and so on is going to influence the way the umpire performs. Um, we know the umpires are human and they're not all equivalent in the way they call strikes or the amount they call strikes. Um, and so it, it makes sense both to understand what the umpires are going to do, what their tendencies are, and how to take advantage of it, but also how the umpire reacts to the way the catcher catches the pitch. And even the umpire's familiarity with the catcher is going to influence their ability to um, call the game. So it, it makes perfect sense to take advantage of those sorts of things. As you understand one another's tendencies, there's obviously advantages. Yeah, guys, I, I like the way we sift the numbers to just see what we can get out of them. But all right, there's another explanation in this, and it has to do with what we didn't know would be an unintended consequence of the cluster. And that's that just the same crews are there with the same guys. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. We, di we didn't know that. We weren't thinking that back when we had summer, spring training, right? Yeah, no, that that's uh, interesting. You know, you do the battery of the catcher pitcher, but you can also do the battery based on who the uh, uh, umpire, the home plate umpire is. And, you know, getting familiarity with, you know, one of the unwritten rules of the game, which has gotten a lot of popularity and discussion this week is umpires, uh, not just calling balls and strikes, but kind of learning it the first uh, batter or two during the game where they set, you know, they kind of set the pitch. Or in other words, they paint themselves in a corner where if they call a, a pitch a strike, they almost feel obligated to keep it up to be consistent the rest of the game. Um, but when you have the same, you know, crew, uh, umpiring crew, uh, you know, they repeat uh, at home plate, you, you know, you already established that. So that could affect dynamics as well. well. A couple of the biggest surprises of the season so far, the Orioles. Uh, Ari, thanks for helping us dig in there. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski with the Giants. David Fletcher with the uh, Angels. If we were to talk about two of the most uh, all-around successful contributors offensively this year at the beginning of the year, I don't think we would have said Mike Yastrzemski, right fielder of the Giants, or David Fletcher, the third short second baseman for the Angels, but we have. And then, guys, we were talking about this before we went on. I, you know, I, I live here on the West Coast. I love watching the Angels because on any one five to ten minute uh, during their broadcast, you get to see Mike Trout followed by uh, Anthony Rendon followed by Shohei Otani. That that's phenomenal. They're they're three and they're three different kinds of hitters, 
And uh, anyone that loves baseball, watch an Angels game and just sit and watch how those guys do it. Cut. Trout rarely swings the first pitch, but then about once every two or three games, he clobbers the first pitch, and it's usually gone. So he serves morning. Uh, Rendon has an approach that is textbook. Uh, he's aggressive, but he's so calm and relaxed in them. He's so simple in his approach. It understates just how talented he really is. And he drives the ball. He gets his pitch. He drives it. Um, and then Otani, I look at him and say, you know, he's a big guy. He's not a little guy. Yet he nearly runs as fast as Trout. He beats out infield. Uh, he and Trout put a lot of pressure on infielders. You bobble the ball, they're safe. And then Otani this past week was kind of interesting. One day he was clearly pulling off, and he, he leaves the party early with his lead elbow, shoulder, and hip. And it was mm -hmm. obvious to where the Angels broadcasters were mentioning it, and in, in Mark Gubiza and, and, um, and Victor were, were talking about it. Literally the next day, his first at-bat, he drives one 440, and you could just see that someone had mentioned something to him about, you know, you're, you're pulling off. And that's just how talented he is. Think of that. He makes one minor adjustment, and he nearly hits 1450. Uh, they're amazing and a lot of fun, and I, I enjoy that just as a fan, as someone who's in the industry. All right, let's transition to the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs. And in the NBA, all right, we'll talk about just up the road from Chicago and Milwaukee. Giannis is amazing. He's the first in playoff history to average 30 points, 15 rebounds, and five assists through his first team's, his team's first four playoff games. Garnett, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and, and Wilt the Stilt, they all did it through three. Giannis, amazing. But he's not the only guy. Luka Doncic, uh, the third player in NBA history, with a 40-point, 15-rebound, 10-assist game. Uh, Barkley and the big O, Oscar, did the same thing. The NBA playoffs... Uh, are, are advancing to round two, not quite yet, but uh, it's been a pleasure to watch some of those games. Guys, just a quick observation from each one of you. How much have you had a chance to play and what has fascinated you so far about the first round of the NBA playoffs? I, I mean, I'm just blown away at how well they're playing, how exciting the game is. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week. The ratings are down um, the NBA is hurting from a TV perspective, but I think the game's the most fun it's been in years. So I, I think that the thing that still strikes me is that that difference, that disconnect between what people are watching and what's actually happening on the court. And then, Ari, if you were to sit down and watch an NBA game, what would you be looking for right now the rest of the playoffs? Well, I, I've been following it very closely uh, with my son watching uh, – well, kind of while working, but mostly, uh, you know, watching six hours a day, they're, they're really thrilling. Um, you know, you got the overtime buzzer beater. Um, you get, you know, uh, players just doing fantastic, uh, um, you know, all around. You know, the one disappointment was a couple of uh, teams, you know, kind of out early, either 4-0 or 4-1. So I was hoping to have the, some of the rounds go deeper, but yeah, I, I, we're talking about the Bucks. They have been dominant last year, this year. So I, I think they're, they're an exciting team to watch. Yeah, the Pacers were one of those teams that went four and out, but they're missing their all-star big man, Sabonis. 
in the NHL playoffs. We're on to the second round, and we can really look at the odds-on favorites to get to the next round, but it's not always that simple, is it, Andrew? No, and it, this has always been my disconnect in the NHL, and I'll, I'll be honest, I have not modeled the Stanley Cup playoffs in part because everything's so up in the air. I don't even know how you handle the way they're playing in a bubble and the risks that may be there and so on. Um, right, but people are looking at the Islanders, Lightnings, Knights, and Avalanche to advance. And when you look at the odds in Vegas, right, they're overwhelming odds in favor of these favored teams. But if you go back and you look at the NHL playoffs and you try to model it, it's oftentimes much closer than it really looks like. Uh, NHL games are hard to model. It's such a low-scoring sport. It only takes a couple of mistakes on the part of the favored team or a couple of exceptional plays on the part of the underdog to completely transfer a game. And then all of a sudden you have a completely different series. So while you look at it and some of these, some of these teams um, are, you know, overwhelming favorites, not even just to get out of this round, but to make it out of the conference. Um, I, I'd be careful. I, I just think it's, it's not as clear cut as those numbers make it appear. All right. Well, guys, we're about to wrap up. Last thing, nearly 60% of Americans reportedly will drop or punt their gym membership after the pandemic is over. They have learned to deal without it. And, and to that, I say chocolate chip cookies <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> and, and Andrew, where, where you live, there's a chocolatier Nicole's Swiss Bliss is in San Diego County, North County, and, and she is a Swiss native living here in the States, uh, and uh, you need to look up Nicole's Swiss Bliss. She makes chocolate in a homemade kitchen. They're like the, the best truffles and chocolate chips ever in the history of mankind. They're, they're the absolute best. Uh, I actually have, have some in the kitchen right now. <laughs> I'll have to look, but I mean, I can't say I'm really that surprised because we know so many people sign up for gym memberships in January and then never use them the rest of the year. Um, so maybe people have just realized that and figured out either how to do this or how to go without. On the other hand, it sounds like it's hard to get a hold of dumbbells if you're looking for um, setting up your own weight training in your house. Well, guys, that'll do it for this week. Uh, we're in the thick of it. It's a real pleasure always, guys, to spend this time together. And with you, our viewers and our listeners, we've been blessed by increased viewership over the last month or uh, consistently. So thanks for hanging out with us. We'll keep, uh, catch up with you in a week when we're just about a week away from the uh, uh, National Football League getting underway, college football about to get underway. And then as we go deeper into the last two weeks of the baseball season, this will only have a, a more fun, all the more to talk about. That's it for right now. We'll say goodbye to Andrew and Ari. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. And that's it for us here on AAAI, the podcast about analytics in the business of sports. Bye-bye now.